You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Miss something from the Royals and Chiefs while you are at work? It's on demand at 610sports.com. KCSB Kansas City. WDAF HD2 Kansas City. Or radio.com sports station. And here we go. Just 13 Sundays away from the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars week one of the NFL season. This is a very special edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome in. My name is Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. Sitting across with Kent Swanson, known for his hair but hiding it today with the Kansas City Royals blue hat. This is produced by Chris Unocero. A little bit of a Arrowhead Pride Radio reunion for us. Unocero doing a lot of work for us. Uh, in season, but Kent, you got the Royals hat on. The Royals play later today, one fifteen against the White Sox, trying to win a series. The Royals won three of their last sixteen games. Woo! Uh, Binks, yeah! Binks on deck show. Cody's off. Uh, I think his kid has a birthday. Binks on deck show is coming up at noon. Bobby Wood Jr.'s high school coach will be on with Bink at twelve twenty. But let's just be a little bit more positive. I think the Chiefs have a little bit more positive things to talk about. Maybe a few than the Royals. Uh, Kent, so far, how's your weekend going so far? You're, you're all right? Yeah. You, you were a little uh, sick last week. I've, uh, th- I've been playing through a, through a little cold this last week. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a rough week over here at my house, but uh, I'm excited to be with Chris, and you're okay, too. I mean, you're right, fine. Thank you. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> that's nicer than I usually get. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, um, been a good weekend for me. Uh, went to Jizu at the at the zoo on on Friday. I saw some I saw some Instagram of uh, you maybe uh, I was busting having, a few moves. All you can eat, all you can drink. It was fun, and then I went to the Royals game yesterday. Another loss, two nothing loss. I'm happy the Royals get a chance to win the series today. But again, uh, for the next two hours, we will wrap up Chiefs OTAs. The Chiefs have had OTAs the last three weeks, ten days of OTAs, and that leads into mandatory minicamp Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, of this coming week. And first, it it pains me to say it, but we have to talk about uh, the thing that we, I I find, uh, am getting tired of talking about. And it's it's little to do with football. Of course, it's Tyreek Hill and the overhanging cloud that has been with this team uh, all offseason, which sucks. You know, there's no other way to say it because... I think of just the promise this team has being on the doorstep of a Super Bowl last year. Uh, on Friday, it was reported by our friends at the Kansas City Star that the Johnson County DA said that Tyree Kill's criminal case is no longer active. And obviously, that's that's good news, I think, for all parties involved, whether you're looking at from the off the field or the football part of this thing. Later on in the day, here was NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. 
Johnson County District Attorney Steve Howe told the Kansas City Star today that the investigation into Tyreek Hill and his fiance Crystal Espinal is not an active investigation. That had been a point of some confusion since Howe initially announced the week of the NFL draft that there would be no charges against either of them, after which an audio tape came out and the Chiefs announced that Hill would be away indefinitely from all team activities. Now, my understanding is there are no signs as of now that Tyreek Hill will rejoin the team or that his status will change prior to next week's minicamp. However, barring any further developments, there is every reason to believe that Tyreek Hill will be back with the Chiefs before training camp begins late next month. Now, of course, the NFL could intervene here. They could apply the commissioner's exemplus to Hill while their investigation continues. That's something they have rarely done in cases without charges. There also is still a parallel investigation that I'm told is open with the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Some moving parts here, but with no criminal charges coming forth against Tyreek Hill, that appears to clear up at least one portion of his status going forward with the Chiefs in the NFL. So you hear, Pelissero, that it, it sounds likely that Tyreek Hill will be at uh, training camp, but then as the weekend goes on, you hear Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, and this in from Pro Football Talk. NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy tells PFT that the absence of an active criminal investigation has no impact on our review. According to McCarthy, the NFL continues to defer the pending action involving Child Protective Services. The existence or absence of a criminal investigation has no relevance to that. And I think there's been a little bit lost with the Department of Children and Families and the fact that this isn't really an investigation, but more so a procedure Roger Goodell a couple weeks back was saying that the Chiefs and the NFL would wait until the result of all that, which uh, the more you read could take up to months, years. Yeah. So just a lot of confusion with how this situation is going to play out. I I take Pelissero's report and then I see PFT. PFT, uh, it it seems like is a little bit more against Tyree Kill than everybody else. Yeah. And. And again, it's it's just trying to like weed through all these takes and find out, okay, like what is really happening here? Right. I do think though, even through all of this, I think what's gonna wind up happening and maybe some of the NFL's allusion to what they're talking about with, you know, maybe this ruling or this recent news not really affecting everything, I still think they're gonna wind up making some determinations about Tyreek Hill's situation this year based on that audio. Right. That audio's not going away. Um, so any pending, you know, any anything that happens this year when it comes to, you know, actions taken against Tyree Kill, which I do still believe are likely going to happen, will result will be as a result of that audio tape. And I think that's probably the most damning thing on his record right now when it comes to a legal perspective and with what um, the NFL is actually allowed to do. That that's the piece that's really going to probably ultimately um, lead to a suspension for Tyree Kill. Yeah, and I, I, I think a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he was not criminally charged. The NFL shouldn't suspend him. Maybe that's the case, but they have before with Ezekiel Elliott in 2017. And though that case is, is not the exact same, it, it has similarities. Ezekiel Elliott ended up getting suspended uh, six games. It doesn't necessarily need to be a crime for the league to suspend you. And I think the two things that I always look at is, did your incident become public? And did you embarrass the league? And I think both of those things happen now. How many games they give Tyree Kill, even if he's available, they'd be suspended. Because if you, like I said, you listen to the commissioner, is he even going to get off the commissioner's exempt list until all of this stuff right. is clear? 
There are just a lot of questions we don't know the answers to. Right. No, we don't. And, I mean, there's still a lot up in the air, and it's going to be like that throughout the season. It's going to probably carry into training camp. We're not going to know a ton or have any real clarity. Um, I I will say this. Last year, cornerback Jimmy Smith with the Baltimore Ravens was suspended for threatening text messages. Right. There's audio. This was a much more high-profile situation. It happened. The the audio released, I believe, uh, the week of draft day. Or during the draft or like before? I can't it remember. Was, it was the audio was released via KCTV5 on opening night of the draft. That's right. So uh, an hour before the draft. Um, this is a very high profile situation comparatively. This isn't text messages. This is audio that the entire the NFL was was on the uh, was on the big stage that night. And, and Tyree Kill had some audio released an hour beforehand. Right, and NFL Network didn't even touch it, if you remember. Or yeah. was it ESPN? No, it was NFL Network that didn't even touch they were, it. They were interviewing Patrick Mahomes basically while it was being released, and nothing. The draft is the darling for the NFL, so you can understand why they wouldn't want to get into to some of that stuff. You, right. re- you remember on draft sure. night a couple of years ago with uh, it was Laramie Tunsil? Yes, with the bong mask. Uh, <laughs> just Welcome to the uh, late 20-teens uh, of, of reality in the NFL and social media. Uh, I I wonder why the Chiefs drafted McCole Hardman, right? Because this is a guy who's very comparable to Tyree Kill. And, and again, I understand this is bigger than on the field, but some of the decisions that the Chiefs make are always going to give you more of how they're feeling than they'll ever say, right? So I look at McCole now, and I, I'm just trying to make sense of the pick. I think the Chiefs think that they're going to get Tyree Kill back on the field this year, right? I think it could be after two, six, eight games, whoever. We don't we don't know that. The Hardman pick, to me, m- might speak more to, there ain't no way in hell we're giving this guy a new contract. Yeah. The Chiefs have consistently been good about drafting a year ahead. They've always done that. They've, right. they've always tried to find the next replacement a year ahead of these guys, right? So, um, it's a lot of their first round picks have been a reaction to a need for their team the next year. So obviously they probably, I do think they probably felt they needed some Tyree kill in, insurance for 2019 with that vertical stretch ability. And they got the fastest guy or one of the fastest guys in this entire class. Right. But you're right. It is a direct response. I believe to Tyree kills fate on this team moving forward in, in 2020 and beyond. Right. I don't think Tyreek Hill is getting extended, obviously. I don't I don't know. Yeah. This whole thing, right. it's it's a mess, but it it's just it, it Hardman feels like a grand insurance policy. If anything happens this year, at least we have someone who could stretch the field. Right. If Hill doesn't improve his like standing with the community over the next year, I just it's hard for me to believe no matter how the next year plays out and Tyreek could be the most upstanding citizen that he's here. Because I just think, and and again, I don't think Hardman is truly Hill, at least not yet. I no, mean, he's not. He has the potential to develop into that, maybe. I mm. mean, maybe. Eh. I, I, I understand that that could be a stretch. But I just think the Chiefs were saying, we need to plan for when this guy's contract runs out. And you know how the compensatory picks work. The Patriots had a ton of... Uh, this year, and and you end up getting a third round pick if he walks to another team, and and it's just you, you, there. There's so many things to be to be happy about surrounding this team right now. You just wish that this incident 
and this situation wasn't ongoing. No, you're you're absolutely right. One thing I keep going back to with the whole Tyreek Hill situation is the statements made by Andy Reid, by Brett Veach, and by Clark Hunt. Right. When when the audio released, they said they were deeply disturbed. And that's the closest I think we've ever seen a guy like Andy Reid or Brett Veach or or Clark Hunt really give an opinion mm-hmm. on this entire situation. And I think that is going to be hard for them to work through for him to be here beyond his his last year here. I think that statement really will hold weight moving forward when it's all said and done. I highly doubt because of 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 the audio. I think right. that's ultimately what keeps him from playing here moving forward after this year. What I would say is this and just to kind of close close this this out. I think a lot of people and I've seen Chiefs Twitter and social media and and everyone is in a rush to to have a take and what is going to be the answer here? How long is it going to take for the DCF to figure it out? When are we going to find out if he's suspended or not? I said at the top of the show as we introduced it, we're 13 weeks away from week 1 and what I was while I was saying that is saying, you know, it's going to be here before we know it. But 13 weeks is still a lot of time to figure it out. A long time. And given the severity and the sensitivity and the seriousness of the situation, there needs to be no rush with this. And I I think the NFL is taking its time because they want to make the right decision. And listen, the Chiefs, if you're worried about the football, they're going to be good whether Hill's on the field or not. They're, They're better with Hill on the field. There's no doubt about that. But again, I think this is bigger than football, and the NFL shouldn't rush and and Chiefs fans should just, I think, relax just when it comes to this guy. Because, uh, because again, there are going to be some Super Bowl contenders no matter what, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's bigger than football. All right, well, we got through that, which, which is the hump, and we are going to get into some more about uh, OTAs coming up. Some of the most important things I learned about this team while watching OTAs on offense. That's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. For breaking sports news in Kansas City, well, this is us. Nikki Lopez, the second baseman who's been hitting 350 down at AAA, is now officially up for tomorrow night's game against Texas. And this is the other guys. Pretty exciting finish yesterday at the KC Golf Classic in Kansas City, Missouri, Blue Hills Country Club. Local flair on this one. It was really, really cool. 610 Sports Radio is your station for breaking sports news in Kansas City. Our teams, our town. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. Special edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio reviewing OTAs, previewing mandatory minicamp. We got Binks on Deck Show coming up at noon. Bobby with Jr.'s high school coach at 1220. You're not going to want to miss that. And the Royals to follow. You can get at us on the Protein House. Eat with the Purpose text line 69306. Chris made fun of me a little bit before we got on the air. I had it backwards. But again, 69306 if you guys would like to get involved uh i want to talk about otas and some of the most important things that i saw otas are a little bit different nowadays used to be able to go out for each and every practice that was 10 practices and it's now down to three the last three thursdays i was out at chiefs otas and uh, bear with me kansas city because i'm going to say something that's oh no a little controversial i bet but i had this worry coming into otas this year i watched we don't talk to the. I don't talk to the players. I mean, it's not like I text these guys. I, I watched Patrick Mahomes just become a national superstar, and I had this worry 
that I would come back and he would be back at OTAs and we'd get new Pat. <laughs> Oakley wearing Pat. Jet flying, kiss stealing Pat. And what I was pleasantly surprised is he, he, he really didn't come back and ask. I asked him, again, he was involved with Big Slick KC this past weekend uh, for Children's Mercy. I asked him about the fact that celebrities were wanting to meet him. Listen to the answer. It's definitely cool getting to meet a lot of people that you've seen on TV, that you've seen kind of growing up. Uh, but at the same time, I feel exactly the same. I feel like the same, the same guys I was last year. I love to, to get out in the community and be a part of it. Uh, and then, of course, being able to play some sports and do some stuff like that is always fun. I think it says a lot about Patrick Mahomes, given the fact that he could have become cocky mm-hmm. and has just become confident. And it's exactly what you want. He was, since basically his childhood, has been built to do this. His dad, his step, or his uh, godfather, uh, Latroy Hawkins, they have done such a good job right. of building this guy to be what, what he is now. I mean, this, it's all, his basically entire life, it feels like, has led up to this moment where he is capable of being a, a phenomenal professional athlete and he's really good at it already all the little things all the nuances and staying grounded at 23 and a half years old <laughs> i grew up in new york and i don't want the royals fans to get mad at me for this but i think it was a baseball wide thing i think the guy that you always looked at of like handling it the right way before he became an owner is Derek cheater <laughs> and it reminds yeah, me Jeets. and he was a good player in the field but he was really good with the media and just like said all the right things and just, you know, you're, you're a perfect athlete. And this is like a Dr. Frankenstein situation mm-hmm. where I am going to create the perfect athlete. And it just feels too real right now. And for him to come back and, and, and just be the way he is, I think it's a great thing uh, for Kansas City. It's a great thing in the Chiefs community, especially with all the other stuff that's going on like we just addressed in, in our first segment. I want to move on to the second thing uh, I learned at OTAs. And I alluded to a little bit in the last segment. The way the Chiefs are practicing – I think they're expecting Tyreek Hill to be back because it looks like it looks like they're using Sammy Watkins like in the same way they were using him last year, you know, more so in that X position, which is you know in line on the line on the line of scrimmage and, and like in the slot position. Whereas you have Demarcus Robinson and, and Garrick Dieter more in the outside. Uh, and and again, I I think about McCole Hartman, and I just I, this is my opinion. I just think that's probably more about next year than this year when it comes to offense. I totally agree. And watching his tape and getting, you know, getting ready for the draft, I didn't see a guy who was super close to being ready. I think they could like with 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 Miko Hardman, I think they can manufacture some touches. I think they can get him in positions to utilize his speed. I think the Chiefs know how to use the speed trait, but um to expect him to be enough I don't think is is realistic. They probably are are keeping that Z position warm for Tyreek Hill, I would imagine. I think it was a few years ago, and this is going to be a blast from the past, but I think about where the Chiefs were a few years ago. I'm about to say this, but I think Dwayne Bowe had to miss a few games, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, Donnie Avery's going to fill in. But then all of a sudden, Frankie Hammond Jr. was in. The GOAT. In, in Bowe's spot. And it was because I think Reed didn't want to mess with that. Like, Sammy Watkins probably could go to where the Z position, Tyreek's position, but I think he wants to keep it so that when Hill gets back, if he does miss two, three, four, five, six games, everyone is kind of used to what they're going to be doing anyway. We had a position switch uh, at, at OTAs, and that was Andrew Wiley moving from right guard to left guard. Yeah, you know, he's one of the better athletes we have up front there. And and uh, that's a good question because I, I don't think people know that. He, he's a He's really... He's a good athlete. He gets out and he runs. You see him do that, and 
uh, is able to lock on people, kind of glue on to people in the screen game and, and pulls. Um, so I, I don't think that's a huge adjustment for him. Andy moves those guys around anyways. He has them all over the place. So uh, just in case something like this happens, I think it'll be fine. LDT, the doctor, returning to the right guard position. Are you a Wiley over Irving guy? Oh, big time. I think Andrew Wiley had an excellent season uh, last year. And he, you know, he was asked to do a lot. I think he, you know, kind of had to play around with multiple positions at times, um, especially, you know, even during the preseason, he was just asked to move around. Um, and I, I really like what he brought to the table. I think he should be the starter moving forward. Uh, the Mac Lee Hill Award winner for the Chiefs this year as the the most outstanding rookie first year player. The people uh, I call him the People's Rookie of the Year. He is the People's Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I love him. I think it was a great job by Brett Veach bringing him into the building, and uh, they reaped the benefits of uh, that lottery ticket there, Peter. The Chiefs have confirmed this week that Travis Kelsey uh, will be back by training camp, but. I- the position behind him, and you're watching these OTAs, Rex doesn't I get it, there's no pads. It's wide open. I think there's a scenario, and bear with me here, where the Chiefs may keep a healthy Kelsey, assuming everything goes correctly, and then maybe not even going with the two tight end and going with the H-back and love it, and, and then having Anthony Sherman as, like, if you really wanted to run what would be, like, a pseudo-hybrid three tight end set. Because I look at, like, Blake Bell and Dion Yelder, and... Look, I'm sure they're great guys, but I just don't think it's worth the roster spot to keep either of those guys. It's kind of crazy that I miss Demetrius Harris a little bit. I That seems like a mistake to me. I, I, again, you don't know the details of right. it. Like maybe Dorsey just was recruiting him, recruiting him, come and play with Baker and, you know, let this thing going. But if, if the Chiefs just said, no, we're not interested, I, that seems like a mistake right now. Yeah, he was a, he was a really – he was a solid tight end too. Good inline blocker made some you know good plays here and there. Obviously, he had his drop issues, but there was a ton of value. I do wonder, you know, with GMs. I know, I know, Brett Veach and, and John Dorsey were in the same building, but a lot of times when a new GM comes in, they try to get and weed out and and move on from the other GMs guys. So I saw a list the other day of just Dorsey acquisitions this offseason. I think there were six former Chiefs. Yeah, Philip Gaines and Demetrius Eric Harris Murray. are on the team. Eric Murray is on the team. Um, There's a lot of them. Yeah, th- I, I'm, he's bringing I'm his guys back. Some, but yeah, like there, there, there are a lot of former Chiefs on the Browns. <laughs> Again, I, the, on paper, that the Browns are on paper, the Browns are a team that should compete with the Chiefs when they get to the AFC playoffs. Well, on paper, they just had to release their left tackle because they took a risk <laughs> on a guy. I mean, this is the, this is the John Dorsey special, so we'll see. It's and the, spending money. It's st- and spending a spending lot cash of money. money. It's starting already over there. So just to review so far, Mahomes didn't come back and ask. Uh, I, f- I expect Tyreek Hill, and I think the Chiefs are expecting Tyreek Hill back, which is why they're running Watkins in his original spot. Andrew Wiley is now a left guard. Kelsey back by training camp, but I think that position's wide open. They may not even keep any of the guys we think. Next thing, originally thought of, I thought, uh, running back by committee, which is why I asked Eric Bieniemy, are you guys going this way? Uh, but Damian Williams, Damian Williams is your 2019 full-time starter. We're asking him to be the full-time starter for for the year, you know, to, uh, and take it one game at a time and so on. But uh, there's a certain challenge that comes with that. That's a tough position to play. And so you got to prepare yourself on and off the field. And he's taking that challenge. He, he wants to do this thing, and, and he's, he's earned the right to be that guy, and, and now it's a matter of production. you got to go do it. And, uh, 
Uh, but it's, uh, it's his first opportunity to be full-time starter here. Williams was a guy last year coming off of surgery and Miami Dolphins, and this is truly in his fifth year, his first ever opportunity to be the guy. I would say this is my first time. You know, it's something you got to really, really work hard to. You know, I came in undrafted, so it's, you know, a lot of teams already have, you know, their main guy. So it's kind of just, you know, keeping your head up and, and fighting and moving forward. Do you like the fact that the Chiefs named him the starter outright, or you are you are you mad for your guy Carlos Hyde or no. any of these guys, Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams? I think I think Damian Williams should be the guy leading the charge here. And I remember watching him in training camp last year. I was looking through some tweets last last uh, last week, maybe just looking through some of the stuff I thought about him during um, training camp last year. He's he's the most natural pass catcher that the Chiefs have uh, of those big guys, those big body guys. And he did a lot of good stuff last year in his opportunities. I think he should be the guy. I think it helps Carlos Hyde if he has to play more of a secondary role because, you know, Carlos Hyde has had some injury issues injury issues in his past. Let him get quality touches, maybe mm-hmm. not the volume, keep himself fresh. Right. I think that group, I think that battery of those two is really solid. <laughs> I really like that group. Uh, you know, I, they lost they lost Kareem Hunt, obviously, but they've done a really good job of getting two big guys that can that can do a lot for them. Training camp in St. Joseph has something that I, I definitely haven't said in years past. There's like a little bit of sex appeal. Like you're going to go up and say, who are they going to keep at tight end? Who are they keeping at running back? Who are they keeping at wide receiver? All right. those sexy positions. It's going to be fun to watch uh, up in St. Joe. Quickly, I, I learned this this uh, phrase from you. A couple of my guys that I like. I really like what I've been seeing from Byron P- Pringle and Cody Thompson, receivers that could make up the end of that depth chart and the aforementioned uh, John Lovett, who I think the Chiefs see. As an H-back, I would love to say that I have loved what I've seen from oh, wide no. receiver Jamal Custis. Oh, no. A Syracuse guy. But he, uh, but he it, it does look like the game, um, it, it looks a little fast for him. I, again, I, you know, it's not in pads yet. And, and I think those bigger guys, once you start, you know, bumping and grinding a little bit, uh, that's where they shine. Uh, but so far, again, I, I like Pringle and Thompson a little bit more. Speaking of Custis, we're going to get into some lottery tickets for the Chiefs. Kent will explain what that means. You're not going to want to miss him. That's next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride OTA's wrap-up show special. You're used to hearing Bing Sunday. You'll get some, some of Bing today. He's coming up at noon with Bing's on deck show Cody Tapp. Is giving the day off. Pete Sweeney here with Ken Swanson, Chris Uno, Sarah. We talked about some of the things we've learned on offense uh, over the course of the OTAs over the past three weeks. We're going to get to some of the defensive things we've learned at about 11 o'clock. But right now, we're going to talk about lottery tickets. And we're not talking about Monopoly Mega Millionaires. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Chiefs players. And, and Ken, before we get into some of the, the details of this, just for, for the listener who maybe hasn't heard the term before, what is lottery ticket? Yeah, so uh, the Chiefs and every team in the National Football League has to build a roster of 90 football players heading into training camp. And 
Um, although what a lottery ticket is, is those low risk, no money guaranteed or minimal money guaranteed flyers that teams take on undrafted free agents or players that might have, you know, ha- had a lot of talent, been injured at one location and came back to try to, you know, come back with the Chiefs and, and potentially, you know, play at a high level. So these are guys that, um, you know, the Chiefs don't have a lot of money invested in, but they have a chance to make the roster. A lot of guys, I think 20, 30% of the National Football League is made up of undrafted free agents. Yeah, Andy Reid always emphasizes that. Is that you don't have to be drafted in any position. You could, you could make the team as an undrafted free agent. You mentioned Andrew Wiley, the rookie of the year, was a lottery ticket type of guy. Who were some other successful lottery ticket examples? So, I mean, Harrison Bucker, I believe, was a, was a lottery ticket that the Chiefs, you know, he was released by the Panthers. and he took, They took a risk on him. Remember Ben Neiman last year? Um, even in the past, guys like Albert Wilson, they've had success with. Damian Williams, the running back for the, the starting running back for the Chiefs, was an undrafted free agent. Daryl Williams last year. Sorensen, Sorensen. It's littered. I mean, the, this, it, the team in the NFL is littered with these undrafted free agent, uh, you know, lottery ticket types. And the Chiefs have done an excellent job this year building a really, probably the best group of lottery tickets I've seen them have in a long time. Great job by Brett Beach. And the thing you should know about these lottery tickets is this isn't just Pete Sweeney and Ken Swanson lip service. This is an actual right. thing that exists on ourheadpride.com. If you're interested in, in reading some of the lottery tickets, you go to the website. And you see the column series at the top. You can click on 2019 lottery tickets and read about some of these guys. We've already done uh, a deep dive on running back James Williams. What did you learn about Williams? And does he have a real shot to maybe crack this team? Yeah, I think he has a, a very uh, good shot at, um, at competing for a roster spot. James, James Williams was a guy we thought was draftable when we did the KC draft guide. We had him as a day three pro, uh, prospect. And... Um, What's really interesting about him is primarily the value that he has is as a pass catcher. He's a very comfortable pass catcher. He's, Chiefs love that too. They do. They need when they need it. I mean, you know, you, you you want some change of pace. I think Darwin Thompson's a little bit of a deviation away from, you know, what they've typically coveted at the running back position with those big two hundred and thirty pound guys. So Darwin Thompson's kind of a change of pace, and then so is James Williams. He's a guy that, you know, he led. I think he had eighty three pass catches. Uh, in 2018 with Washington State. Um, he, he's probably got more value as a pass catcher out of the backfield than as a runner. Uh, and so, you know, having a really definable trait to hang your hat on like that could make him an intriguing prospect for the Chiefs. Yeah, and and again, the thing about these undrafted guys is Andy Reid just looks at them as players once they're here. It doesn't matter if right. you're, you know, again, I think the top picks maybe get a little bit more of a leash, but as long as you're like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, uh, or an undrafted free agent, you kind of probably looked at in the same you know, wavelength. So, again, an, an awesome opportunity for James Williams. He'll compete with Darwin Thompson, Darrell Williams, Carlos Hyde, and Damian Williams, Marcus Marshall also in that running back room. Want to get into Jamal Custis and Cody Thompson. These guys are, I think, linked together because it would be really strange, I think, for the Chiefs to keep them both given the amount of depth they have in the wide receiver room. Who do you like more, and and what have you seen from these guys? Well, so both of these guys got over fifty thousand dollars each. Uh, Jamal Custis got a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars to uh, come to to Kansas City as an undrafted free agent. Um, I, you know, I've I've watched both guys at this point. I like Cody Thompson a little bit better. I'll talk about your guy Jamal Custis real quick because <laughs> there is an article on Arrowhead Pride uh, talking about him right, right now. now. Um, but Custis, he had some remarkable plays. Uh, some remarkable catches. 
He's a big body guy. Um, I don't know how much I trust him and how much I will trust him as a special teamer. Um, I don't know what kind of mentality he really plays with because you watch him blocking out on the edge and he should be better as a blocker than he is for being 6'4", 215. Then you go to Cody Thompson, who's coming off some injury issues. And um, I think, you know, if, if, if he didn't have some injury past, he might have been drafted. Uh, really great special teams value. Has one of the best special teams plays you're ever going to see catching a ball off the foot of a punter <laughs> and returning it for a touchdown. Hey, that's awesome. He's got special teams value, and I really like him as a, as a route runner. I like him as a receiver. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think he's got a lot of value, and I think he is a guy, if I was going to pick one, I think Cody Thompson's making this football team. Whoa. You heard it here. He's better than, he's better than like the Marcus Kemp's type. Nothing, Marcus Kemp type. Nothing gets Uncle Dave Tobe a little bit. Nothing gets him going than like some special teams upside. And that, football that, is special teams, Pete. And and that's the thing as you as you watch and see how this team is built. And this is I I, I you know I think that the, the diehards know this, but for some of those casual fans out there, Dave Tobe matters when it comes to players like 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, just because they're going to have to help out on special teams or else you're not going to have a, a team to put out there. Last year, I was a little nervous about guys like Frank Zombo making the team because it does right. seem like Dave Tobe has so much influence on the roster, on the bottom of that roster. So some of these lottery ticket types last year, like Ben Neiman, you were nervous they were going to be able to make the team because, the, you know, Dave Tobe's guys yeah. that he's historically had were going to wind up taking those spots. You ask any Chiefs fan, and I think the most common answer as to, all right, what does this team still need? Whether right or wrong, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's it's always cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lottery ticket there in Mark Fields. As you've jumped into his film, what would you see? Uh, so we actually had... Uh, Craig do the uh, the piece here on this lottery ticket, but I know plenty about Mark Fields because we thought he was an early day three draftable prospect. And he really, I mean, he he's more talented than Rashad Fenton, their sixth round pick. Uh, there's just concerns about Mark Fields uh, off the field, maybe some coachability concerns. But if he comes in and, and, and shows that he is coachable, that he can learn, that he can uh, you know be consistent on and off the field, he is a remarkable, well, not, I don't want to say remarkable, but he's an excellent talent. And it's surprising that he was able to, um, you know, go undrafted. He came into the national championship game uh, at Clemson against Alabama and, and played excellent in right. their in their national championship win. He's kind of a smaller guy. He's probably going to wind up being a slot corner, but um, really intriguing athletic profile, uh, made plays on the ball, uh, real sticky in co- coverage. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's got a great chance to make this team if he can, you know, be, prove that he can be trusted by the Chiefs. I think you have three locks at cornerback to make the team, and it's Kendall Fuller, Bashad Breland, and Travarius Ward. And after that, I mean, who knows? And again, I, I think Fenton probably has a good chance, just given the fact that he was a draft pick. But who knows? I, I mean, that's going to be another position to watch up at training camp. And you got to like the fact that there is this competition that exists in the depth of this team. Camp, before we move on, we're going to talk to Craig Stout after the break. But before we do that, uh, just some IR candidates who you think may be good bets for the Chiefs down the line. So the Chiefs have done some really smart stuff here. They've been very um, creative in how they're building this roster. And they've taken some guys that they like from the undrafted free agent pool that they can mystery IR or keep on the IR. The Tyler Bray honorary IR spot. Correct. Uh, Maybe even Byron Pingle, wink, wink, nod, nod last year. You never know with him. Um, 
But uh um, sports hernia, man. You know, uh, yeah. You can see you can, yeah. you know what you're talking about. Sports hernia, wink. <laughs> they've been so they've been so aggressive about saying, man, his recovery went really well. Okay. We'll see. I I never I never believe it. Wow. Um, but Tim Ward, uh, a guy from Old Dominion, um, he was uh, O'Shane Zimenez's teammate uh, at at uh, Old Dominion, and I think you know the Chiefs basically said uh, Brett Veach said he was a Steve Spagnuolo prototype defensive end prospect, and the Chiefs he he may not play this year, he may not even really practice this year, but the Chiefs stashed him on uh, on their roster. I think he's a, on the pup list right now. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, could make a lot of sense. Another one is, is Darius Harris, a linebacker, uh, from middle Tennessee state. He's kind of dealing with some injuries right now, but he was a pretty hot prospect, uh, on the undrafted free agent market as well. It's not a good time in, in the, in the world, in the universe of the Kansas city chiefs to be in your late twenties or early thirties, because they are just stacking with younger, like 20 year old guys. And I, I think for a little bit in the past few years the Chiefs felt a little old and now they're like the young guns I think there's only three or four players that are 30 or older on the Chiefs I think Mitch Schwartz just turned 30 over the weekend I think he makes the fourth person yeah they they've really done a good job of building young depth and I think that kind of goes with the new wave with Patrick Mahomes kind of taking over they're trying to get younger cheaper because they're going to need to be cheaper here in the future because Patrick Mahomes contract is looming and giving themselves like all these guys that we're talking about aren't going to make this team but I think what happens is you've given yourself a great large pool to pull from to potentially get some value at the bottom of your roster for nothing. Right. And, and that's really what this is all about, giving yourself as many chances as possible. And you got a 10-person practice squad. So, you know, it's like additional depth. Again, anyone could, that, that's what happened with Butker. Butker was on the Panthers practice squad. Um, a, a, but that being said, it provides you additional depth and they're in practice every day and they could jump in if you do have injuries, which always happen in the NFL. Yep. All right. When we come back, we will have defensive film analyst Craig Stout on the line. He has entered into something we call the summer of spags. That's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back to a special edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio. We're wrapping up Chiefs OTAs and doing a preview of mandatory minicamp. The preview part of this is coming up at 1145, followed by Binks on Deck Show at noon. Taking over for Binks Sunday today, a good man who, who enjoys his football, but getting into some baseball today. Another man who enjoys beer and, and all, all types of football. Whether it's American, European, whatever. Defense, many, many talents. Defensive film analyst Craig Stout. Craig, how you doing this morning, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I've had coffee. I've been watching the Women's World Cup. I've been <laughs> watching a little Spagnola defense. I, I'm hitting all bases today. You, I'm you, on brand. You've watched film of Spags this morning? I did. I watched film of Spags literally this morning. We'll get it. We'll get into the on the field part of this, but for fans who really aren't familiar with Spags, I mean, you've been watching film a lot now. He's a pretty fiery guy. Oh, absolutely. Steve Spagnolo is about the polar opposite of Bob Sutton from an off the field standpoint. Steve Spagnolo is aggressive. Steve Spagnolo is loud. Steve Spagnolo is also going to be in your face about getting things right. We've heard tales from OTAs of Steve Spagnolo 
stopping drills, going and doing one-on-one work with players, trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page and that everybody's doing things right. I mean, we didn't hear that sort of stuff about Bob Sutton. This is going to be a completely different approach from an off-the-field standpoint as well as on the field. Yeah, even at Chiefs OTAs, I mean, you could see how Spags likes to play the quarterback when the defense is practicing together and likes to do one-on-ones, as you mentioned, and pull guys aside and coach. And I don't know, it it did seem a little bit like Bob Sutton was more of a coach's coach and let his assistants do their thing. Uh, But, Craig, here you are. You're in the thick of something we're calling the summer of Spags at ArrowheadPride.com. Similar to lottery tickets, you can go on to ArrowheadPride.com, click on series at the top you can find Summer of Spags. There's a couple articles. And what you're doing is you're you're really getting to find out, all right, what, what are some of the things we can expect to see this fall when the Chiefs' new look 4-3 base under defense takes the field? Craig, as you've, as you've you know, taken a look at all this film, what has surprised you the most so far about Steve Spagnuolo and what he likes to do? I mean, what surprised me the most, and for those of you who may have been following me last year on Arrowhead Pride, I charted every single play of the 2018 Chiefs defense. As painful as it was, I did it. And I, so I went through, and at a certain point, I could kind of predict a little bit what Bob Sutton was going to do on a given play. Now, it wasn't all the time. He wasn't that predictable. But I could kind of see why he was doing some of the things he was doing before the you know the play even kind of happened, I could see that. As I'm watching Steve Spagnuolo's defense, and granted, I you know I'm not in it as much as I was with Bob Sutton last year. There is very minimal predictability. He will do things just to put them on film. He will blitz on downs that you traditionally don't blitz. He he is going to be so aggressive and so unpredictable. It's going to be just completely different in that regard. You know, we'll see if it pays off in the same ways. You know, maybe there are some times where he does some things that he gets caught out with blitzes, gets caught out with aggression. But that does end up paying off a lot more, and it confuses quarterbacks a lot more than we've seen out of some Bob Sutton defenses in the past. Now, Craig, we will be talking to Matt Lane at 11.30. He's your partner in crime in the series of the Summer of Spags, and you split it up in a way where... He's taking the front of the defense, and you, you're working on some of the secondary. And you mentioned the unpredictability of Spags and what he likes to do in the secondary, especially highlighting the safeties. If you could sum it up, what does Spags ask of the safety position? Spags asks everything of the safeties, even more so. <laughs> Bob Sutton had some pretty safety-intensive looks. Steve Spagnuolo is going to ask his safety to play like cornerbacks on a lot of downs. Steve Spagnuolo is going to ask for two guys to play deep, a single guy to play deep, be able to come up in the slot against wide receivers, not just tight ends as we've seen in the past. He's asking the safeties to do so much, and that's even before we get into blitzing because that might be the position he blitzes from the absolute most of any of them. So they really are going to be aggressive because they're putting a lot on those safeties, which makes a lot more sense 
why they went out and got Teron Matthew and got Juan Thornhill. Yeah, that's a big statement, and I, I think we've all seen, even even the most casual NFL fan, clips of whether Matthew was on the Cardinals or the year he spent in Houston just gunning for the quarterback and drilling him. And I think, you know, creating some of that you know, fear in the quarterback can really throw somebody off their game. We've seen that with guys like Tom Brady even in the past. Uh, makes sense then to, to you, Craig, that, that the Chiefs would spend a premium pick on Juan Thornhill given, again, everything that Spags asks of his safeties. Here's the hard question. You think Daniel Sorensen is on the team when they cut down to the 53? I will say this. Daniel Sorensen makes a lot more sense from an on-the-field standpoint than a guy like Armani Watts with what Steve Spagnuolo asks of this defense. Armani Watts was a fifth-round pick last year, though, and the Chiefs praise him quite a bit. They talk about him as an ascending player. So I really do think that it's going to come down Choose those two guys for the final safety position. They don't use three safeties as often as we've seen with Bob Sutton, where Matrix may carry yeah. a fifth safety on the roster. They're probably only going to carry four guys, and Jordan Lucas also has that cornerback experience. If you kick down the slot that they've seen to like with Matthew, with Juan Thornhill, I think it's between Armani Watts and Dan Sorensen. If they need the money, Dan Sorensen is a logical cut. Yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans pointing to that. And, and the money thing, I just don't think it's as serious because they're not as much up against the cap as they've been in the past, which is weird to say because all we've said in the past few years is, man, there's not enough cap space. So, again, it should come down, mm-hmm. I think, to talent versus talent, which which should be good. Craig, you released another edition of the Summer of Spags today on com. It's our first story. What can Very briefly, what can the folks read about? Uh, folks can go there. We've kind of laid the foundation with the alignment of the players and the type of personnel that Spagnuolo uses. This week is cornerback technique. Mm. We're going to talk about some of the ways that things are different, zone turned, types of, you know, types of technique and footwork and things like that. The Chiefs fans can maybe expect to see come the fall. Greg, last question. I'm sure you knew this was coming. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, and with Arrowhead Pride Radio, we always like to have, even in our special editions, a beer of the week. What are you drinking this afternoon? Uh, this afternoon, I will be cracking open. I posted on my Twitter account, Crane Brewing Company out of Kansas City, Farmhouse IPA. It's got a little funk and some hops. It's great beer. Well, there you go. He is defensive film analyst Craig Stout of ArrowheadPride.com. You can catch all of his work there, including today. Another edition of the Summer of Spags that will continue the next couple weeks as we explore what Spags intends to do this year in the Chiefs' new look 4-3 defense. Craig, enjoy your day, buddy. Thanks. All right. I mean, any big takeaways from you there? No, I'm just really happy that Craig, after enduring what Bob Sutton did to him last year, (laughs) finally has something interesting to talk about. Poor Bob, man. Uh, you know, it, like this week you had Justin Houston saying, "Oh man, I never want to drop in coverage again." Uh, just you, he just went. At what point are we just going to leave Bob in the past? When the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you think? Yeah, maybe. I, I, he might still catch some ire. Like it's it's going to be a struggle here. But I'm I'm ready for some spag sativity. Bob sativity oh, is goodness. gone, oh, but spag sativity. We went. Start 57 minutes and 53 seconds without a terrible pun of some sort, but here we are. Uh, we, what we, was the pun? I missed it. He said, in, instead of Bob's activity this year, we got some spags activity. 
you got to be more creative than that. <laughs> no, that was lazy. <laughs> that, it is that was lazy, really but, lazy. But it's a direct you correlation. Have had, you have had how many? How many months have we known the Spags was the DC of the team? It's like four, four months, and in four months you haven't come up with a better pun than that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. You need to spend the, all go. of the rest of the summer thinking of better puns. You got two months. <laughs> yep. You think of a better pun than Spags activity. Gotta go back to the drawing board, my man. Um, we're going to keep it with the defense. Before I gave you some of the things that I noted about the offense as far as what we learned from OTAs, I want to tell you guys what I learned about the defense from watching these three, uh, these past three weeks. And that is coming up next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio Special Edition. Pete Sweeney, Ken Swanson, Chris Unocero filling in for Bink, who you'll be able to hear in an hour from now on uh, Throwback Edition. Bink's on deck show coming up at noon. Uh, Cody Tapp with the day off. Bobby Witt Jr., the Royals' top pick. His high school coach with Bink at 1220. Royals, White Sox to follow at 115. You can get involved with us over the next hour on the Protein House. Eat with a Purpose text line 69306. I do want to get into some of the defensive observations I've had from the last three weeks of OTAs, but can't ask for the floor. You have a, a better pun. So I spent the uh, I spent the good part of the break trying to come up with the uh, the next not spagsativity. Mm-hmm. How about enthusiasm? Oh my god, I that, like it. That's clear. I love it. A first draft. That's no, worse. That's no, worse. that's what it is. Got to get to send it back to the drawing board. Shut, no, shutting it down. Yeah, that might be this worse than spagsativity. This is worse. We have enthusiasm. Let's, let's go. Uh, let's let, let's uh, no. let's just move on to the observations. Um, again, we went over some of the I, things. I should have dumped that. That's what I should have done. <laughs> that that one hurt. That one hurt the show. We I might mean, we, we might get a. Letter I felt like from we were, the FCC. We were tracking. We were tracking. I'm not going to say it was a plus. There was a few gaps, but we were tracking maybe for an A A minus show. And now I think the the ceilings would be plus. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> The quality is significantly. Low. We we apologize here at six ten for what Ken <laughs> Ken Swanson has just done to this broadcast. Uh, okay. And I'm out. CP OTAs and some of the most important things we've learned uh, on defense and on special teams. And the first thing I wanted to note is, is a quote, and and it's from Andy Reid, and I think he really captures the the spirit of Kansas City w- with this one. He's asked about the competitive of the Chiefs defense in OTAs and what it means. And and you've heard plenty of Andy Reid. Sometimes it's a monotone thing. Sometimes he doesn't get, he's not a guy who, at least in front of the mic, gets too excited. Listen to just the pure excitement in his voice when talking about the defense. Oh, yeah, that's how you get better. That's how you get better, right? So they're challenging each other as much as you can here. Um, they're challenging each other within the rules of Phase 3 and, um, and, and doing a good job with it. And, um you know, you try to create you create a couple different co- competitive situations. You do it by uh, bringing in players at your position that that uh, can compete against one another. But then you eventually you got to go against another person, and that's the name of the game here. So um, you get in there and, and, and you have uh, great quality on both sides. And Brett's done a nice job with, with bringing in guys that are that are good football players and, and want to be better. And then uh, are liking being a chief and, and feel that team part, but they're they're challenging each other. Andy Reid will never say anything negative about anyone that's with the team or has been with the team, so you're never going to hear him say anything like bad about Bob. But sometimes he like goes above and beyond. I don't think it's ever to throw a shot, but you can just hear, man, this change was really really needed. You know, and I don't think it just extend. I don't think it just stops with Bob. Right. I think you know, rightly, if you listen and if you pay enough attention to this team. 
they had a culture problem on defense. It was with the staff. It was with the players. And there's a lot of players who are not here anymore. And they went out and made mass changes to the staff and to the personnel because they had a major, major culture problem on defense. And that culture problem extended to both to the to the offensive side of the ball too. You can't have, you know, I, I promise you that, that that the offense was not happy <laughs> with the defense last Mah- year. Mahomes was and, and and that goes back to Mahomes too. He just was so good about it. He was like, We stick with our defense and and, uh-huh. and, and He's, and he's never going to throw them under the bus. But, I mean, internally, in his house with his two little cute dogs and his girlfriend, he must have been saying something like, I left Texas Tech and, and college so that I would <laughs> it, have a good defense. And it came, and back, the same it came with me. It's the same thing. Uh, but, Kent, I mean, you may have ruined this segment at the beginning with that terrible pun, but that is a beautiful segue to my observation number two. Even in OTAs, I find that you're really starting to feel – that this defense has a true, like, gritty identity. It's a long process. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to compare it to anything. What I really look for right now is building a foundation. I've talked extensively with the guys about that. It's been all about building a foundation of fundamentals. That goes to communication, to believing in the system, and yeah, I talk extensively about doing the things or getting or mastering the things that take very little talent. You know, it doesn't take a lot of talent to communicate. You know, call out an under route. Get aligned. You know, those little things we need to get taken care of now. Otherwise, it creates holes, and then we have problems. So I'm more focused on that. And the Chiefs brought in, really, a, a leader in Tyron Matthew. And normally, you're not going to get the leader of your room in free agency. I'm telling you right now, the Chiefs' leader of the defense is Tyron Matthew. He's really trying to, you know, build a defense with an attitude. Um, you know, I think anytime you can have, you know, uh, 10, 11 guys, you know, with a chip on their shoulder, uh, with an edge, a certain kind of presence, uh, you know, certain kind of attitude, kind of kind of swagger, um, you know, um, you can create a collective identity. Um, and I think that's really, you know, what we're trying to do. Um, definitely not trying to do nothing that, um, you know, outside of our, you know, characteristics. Um, you know, I think all of us, both of us, really, um, I think we wake up each and every day, you know, and we we live that way, you know, just with an attitude and a chip on our shoulder, and um, you know, like I said, it could it could rub off on the guys around you. Uh, another observation that I've had regarding OTAs, and this is more, I think, of a confirmation for myself than a true observation. OTAs so far, just by watching some of the guys and where they're being placed, so on and so forth, it's only confirmed to me that Juan Thornhill is going to be the guy in his first year as a starter of free safety against the Jacksonville Jaguars week mm-hmm. one. Here is Steve Spagnuolo talking about Thornhill. He, uh, he stuck out to me personally in the uh, senior bowl playing deep back there and the way he attacked the football and he's got good ball skills. So that's always an asset to have on defense. And I think he's been a guy that's picked up things pretty good. I like the way he plays. I actually complimented him in a unit meeting the other day, put a clip on of where I saw him bursting, you know, to the football, which is really important in what we're doing. So, so far, so good. I have a take, Peter. Well, you know, if the Chiefs hadn't traded their first round pick for Frank Clark mm-hmm. and they're sitting there at 29, and uh, Roger Goodell gets up to the state to the podium and says, "With the 29th pick, the NFL draft, the Chiefs select Juan Thornhill." Yeah, I would not have been upset. There was some buzz, wasn't there, toward the night going into the draft that he might drop into the first round? Oh, I mean, it it was there. I mean, a lot of people thought even beyond just the first that that you know leading up to the draft, like there was there were several instances where there's a lot of people out there that really believe in Juan Thornhill's talent, and I think. The pot, there's been positive signs already. One of them being Lewis Riddick 
came on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago. Loves to call Mahomes Ferrari Mahomes, which I, Ferrari I personally Pat. love. Like that, Ferrari Pat. That's a guy, too, who, who, who does make good puns, is Lewis Riddick. And you want to know something else? He knows the Chiefs building. And when he you can tell he talks to them constantly. Yes, when <laughs> he tell. says something, you can tell. when he says something, you know it's coming from the Chiefs building, right? Of course. And he got out there and was singing the praises of Juan Thornhill. You should be excited. I think they got tremendous value at sixty three for him. Speaking of Lewis Riddick, he said this week that Carson Wentz will be the MVP of the National Football League. Last year, he was the one who said, "Be be ready for Pat before he even played a game." And so, well, you can't shoot a hundred percent. Five hundred does get you into the Hall of Fame, though. Exactly. So that's a good thing. All right, here's my here's one of the bigger takes that I think I, I have about uh, OTAs and the defensive side of the football. This is going to be a change. We got to stop comparing Breland Speaks and Tano Passanio <laughs> because I think because now, so you, you swap the number of, of guys you keep on with linebackers and defensive line. And I did this myself. I'm guilty because, you know, they both were playing the same position last year in the three, four, they were drafting back to back years. Dorsey drafted Passanio. Veach reached for Speaks <laughs> as, as Kent would say. Yep. Um, and, reach. But what I found now is they're probably going to keep nine defensive linemen or somewhere around there. Both are probably going to make the team. And at this point, they're playing different positions. Here was Spagnolo on Speaks. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was playing a position that was a little different for him. I actually went back and watched his college tape. You know, he was inside a lot. He was a defensive end. He did some good things. I think he's a little more comfortable being there. Uh, but we got a ways to go. And, and Breland's just one of the guys that have been really working hard, and it's a little bit new. So I'll take it one day at a time. Uh, hopefully he's going to be a multiple guy. Uh, guys like that are valuable. They can play a bunch of different positions. So we'll see where we are when we get down to the 53. It's a long way to go. So what I, what I see, I mean, you've seen the photos. Speaks has put on like a little <laughs> bit of weight. And, and, and I'm starting to think maybe that was intentional. And, and I think the Chiefs do see him as an, an interior line guy now. Whereas Passanio, I think they're going to give him a real chance on the edge, and he's been getting some some run with the first team. Here was Spagnolo on TK. Look, at I have a home in, in Philadelphia, so I'm close to Villanova, and I know those coaches there, and they always talk highly of him, even going back to when he was coming out. Um, he's a long athlete, and you know you can't you can't coach length. They either have it or they don't. So hopefully we can get ahead in the right direction. I, I was leading the charge. I said, when is back, when is uh, Passanio going to get fitted for his Browns uniform? <laughs> but I really think he may play a role this year on the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance. Um, I, I would have preferred uh, Steve Spagnuolo to say something nicer than he's long. Uh, I mean, that, that would have been. He's long. He's it, strong. <laughs> but, I mean. Trying to get his pass rush on. <laughs> It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tano Passaniel, um, how much, you know, they do value him. It He didn't get much run last year. And, you know, I go back to what I said earlier about, you know, a, a GM comes in, they want to slowly phase out the old GM's guys and keep their new guys. If it, if it, Breland Speaks is obviously playing a little bit dis- different situation here now because he's gonna be, he is definitely going to be playing inside and outside. He's looking more like Derek Naughty than he is like an edge. But, um, you know, how what happens with Tano Passanio is something certainly to monitor because it is not a Brett Veach guy. And there's a lot of edge. There's a lot of yeah. edge competition for him right now, too. He's really kind of buried. 100% not a Brett Veach guy, but I thought it was interesting that 
uh, Spags went out of his way to say he has Villanova connections and, and he's heard about this guy. And I just think we maybe need to change how we're always comparing these two guys because I think they're going to be used in different ways. They are, certainly. And, and the last uh, defensive slash special teams observation I have is that this punter battle between Dustin Colquitt and Jack Fox, it's a real thing. Here's Dave Tobe. Well, we had a really high grade on him coming out. We had a draftable grade on him, and we were you know, really happy that we got him. We were able to get him as a free agent, and uh, it never hurts to have competition for every position. Uh, you know, punter's no different. We, were, we had an opportunity to get him, and, and we got him, and, and we're happy that he's here. He's, he's doing a good job. Like Cairo Santos and then and then Butker that came after him, I really think Fox is going to get a shot. Like It just sounds a lot like what Tobe said about those two kickers when they ultimately won jobs. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly something to monitor. I don't know how much the Chiefs actually saved by releasing uh, Dustin Colquitt. It looks like they'd only, they would incur $2.35 million in dead cap if they were to move on to Dustin Colquitt. But it's super fascinating that they were so intentional about going out and getting this guy who they had a draftable grade on. I don't know how this manifests itself and how they, they, they work through this situation. Do they try to keep him on the practice squad or what? But I do think that, they, that he might wind up being the successor to Dustin Colquitt. Um, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It is interesting. You know, Dustin Colquitt was out at the big slick KC event yeah. last night. So, like, he's still out doing a lot of public stuff. He, was, sure. he went to the Blues um, – the the Blues game with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is kind of a goodwill to try to capture that St. Louis market. That's just a guess, but um, it's it's something to keep an eye on. I think they sure. might do it. It's easy to root for a quarterback. Like you, you think of Joe Montana. There are so many 49ers fans, and you know the one year with the, the Chiefs that just loved Joe Montana just because he was so good. I mean, that, we're talking about a guy who could have like a Michael Jordan type of effect. Uh, I know we're up against a break, so I just want to say this quickly. I have a bold take when it comes to these cap casualties and these conversations. I think the Chiefs just have enough money. And while the Fox-Colquitt battle is real, and I think that it's going to be a real thing, I don't think you're going to want to cost yourself like a Super Bowl with a shanked punt by yeah. a rookie. Yeah, I see the Chiefs, and I've kind of said it throughout this ep- this episode or I, I guess this show. I think they keep Daniel Sorensen. I think they keep Dustin Colquitt, and I think they keep Tano Pasquino. If I'm looking at a cap casualty, I'm looking maybe at Xavier Williams yeah. with some younger guys up there and a, and a Colin Saunders being drafted and so on and so forth. Um, I think more so those guys, or more so Williams than, than, than the first three for sure. When we come back, I mean, this couldn't be an Arrowhead Pride radio show if we don't talk about QB1. Woo! That's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Monster Jam, where it's winner takes all. No guts, no glory. Experience adrenaline-charged family entertainment. This is Monster Jam. Brought to you by Metro Mike T-Mobile. The fun begins at the pit party where you can meet the drivers, get autographs, take pictures, and see the trucks up close. Must have valid event tickets to enter pit party. Get your free pit party pass at participating Metro Mike T-Mobile locations. See pit party pass for details and restrictions. Coming to Arrowhead Stadium for the first time ever June 15th. All right, class. Let's hear what everyone did this weekend. Jill? Well, I raised my older sister to a big oak tree. It was at least a hundred years old. My mom said I must have set a record or something. And then we went down by a stream and perched up on this huge rock and saw all of these little minnows swimming around way below us. And then I rescued my little brother from an evil slug king who was guarding him at the bush fortress. And my sister and I brought him back to our super twig fort for safety. And then we all laid out and told stories until it got dark. And the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Wow. Wow. Awesome. 
Where were you, Jill? Yeah. We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Anyone want to come this weekend? <laughs> Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week and find the fun, adventurous you. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Ramp up your Harley now. Go to Santa Fe Auto Sound for the Rockford Fosgate audio system and upgrade the speakers with a new amplifier for clean power you can hear even on the highway. Santa Fe Auto Sound, 83rd and Santa Fe or SantaFeAutoSound.com. Kansas City's home for car audio since 1967. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio Special Edition, filling in for Bink Sunday. You'll still get some of Bink coming up at noon. The On Deck Show, filling in for Cody Tap today, Royals White Sox to follow. Bobby Witt Jr.'s high school coach with Bink coming up at 1220. But right now we're talking about, come on here, it's the prince of the city, the mayor. Prince? Might be king. Well, you got to win a Super Bowl. Once, once you have a ring, then people can kiss your ring. That's when you're the king of the city. I don't know. You might already be there. But speaking of that, Ken, I know you're a big Mahomes guy. You love him. You were screaming on the night he was drafted. I watched the film. Uh, Not my proudest moment. One, <laughs> one of the things, uh, and I noted earlier in the show, is it's been comforting to realize he came back, and after all this attention, being at Madison Square Garden, different hockey games, the Final Four, he's truly the same guy, at least it seems that way. I know even after buying a, a really nice house, it looks like, all this celebrity. Uh, given that fact, Ken, as a guy who, who's grown up just a Chiefs fan for years and years and years, is this still something where, like, is it better than you've ever imagined it would be? Yeah, and it, it be, the re, why is because it is better than than anything we could have ever imagined. Here's here's what's weird, and I've, I've had this thought in my head for a while. KC has went, the city has gone so long without having their guy at quarterback. They've went so long without having, you know, a a true potential franchise quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl that, you know, they they don't understand how abnormal even this is. You know, some people in some cities yeah. get a franchise quarterback and it's really cool. And, and his really, name's like Ryan Tannehill, for example. Yeah, but, but even like, okay, let's yeah. let's go with like Matt Ryan. Okay. Okay, Matt Ryan has had a quality career and and he's really done things the right way and he's beloved by that city. But KC... They didn't. They didn't just go from you know from nothing to Matt Ryan. What Patrick Mahomes is doing and how he's handling this and how well he's done this done this entire thing, honestly, is just it's it's exceeded anything we could have expected. But we don't understand how insanely amazing what he is doing right now really is. Like it's we don't have anything to bank on. So. You know, someday we're going to sit back and realize how absurd and how crazy this is because it's not supposed to be as absurd as it is. It's supposed to be a, like a rung below, but we don't we bypass that rung and it, we've never had experience with it. I feel like I've come up with a good comparison in my head. It's like if you're dirt poor, right? And you're just like eating gas station hot dogs, trying to pinch pennies and put money together. And then you hit one of those lotteries that are like not just the regular lottery for a million. It's one of those, oh, get out to the gas station you know, 1 billion or yeah. like 1.2 billion today. And you go from eating gas station hot dogs to like having more money than you know what to do with. Like, that's the kind of thing that, that it feels like. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, he was out with the big slick KC this weekend. Rob Riggle was on with Fesco in the morning. 
last week and said there were plenty of celebrities looking to meet Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so that's just probably a weird feeling. It's insane. Uh, Mahomes um, was in the charity softball game for Children's Mercy on Friday night, and Big Slick Casey's Twitter account put out this sound from Mahomes at bat. Coach, congratulations on a great year. We've got your quarterback up there. What's going through your mind? Uh, home run. Home run. He's, he's played the game before. There it is. <laughs> well, we just we just had an amazing moment of baseball. Patrick Mahomes comes up, hits a dinger, called a shot, crushed it. That's Jason Sudeikis at the end there. Andy Reid predicting that Mahomes would hit a home run. After a pop-up, he hit a home run out to left. Yeah, he, uh, he got his mulligan. He uh, he popped it up in the first uh, first at bat. You went all Chris Owings on us for a second there. Puts on a Royals jersey. Don't ever again compare in- Patrick Mahomes to Chris <laughs> Owings, please. But no, that the second the second one was uh, was a little quality dinger there. Quality dinger. It was, it was about about where the left fielder sits normally. The cool thing is Mahomes is this guy who last year had fifty touchdowns, more than five thousand yards. And you listen to Andy Reid and and even a little bit of Patrick in the off season, and what they said is all right. Yeah, but you still have room to improve. You still have room to get better. Yeah. And, and they gave him a, a video of these cut-ups uh, ahead of OTAs and the offseason. And here was Mahomes on the earlier days. I believe this was day three of OTAs on what he learned from the cut-ups. Yeah, I mean, I learned that there's still a, a ton that I need to improve on. Uh, there, there really is. Uh, I made a lot, a lot of plays happen kind of off script this year. But there was times where I try to make those plays happen and, and I, instead of just taking the easy completion for a first down. And so I have to keep finding that line whenever I want to try to make the big play happen and when I want to just take the easy completion, move the chains, keep the offense on the field, keep rolling down the field. And that's stuff that I have to keep working on every single year. And that scheme of I really opened my eyes to that. We got one crack at Eric Bieniemy last week, and he was also asked about Patrick Mahomes' improvement. I think the generic improvement is very, very important. One thing uh, going into this offseason, all the coaches and, and myself, we sat down and wrote down things that we like to see ourselves, you know, our players improve upon. One thing Mike harped on was basically, you know, being consistent with his drops in the, in the pocket, being consistent with his footwork. And one thing I have seen, we've addressed it. He's doing a better job, and you can see it, you know. And the thing about it, when I'm looking at him, it's not so much I'm looking at what is he looking at downfield, because that takes care of itself. I want to see if he's being consistent with his pocket presence, with his footwork in the pocket. I I have something absurd to say. And 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 listen, you know, it, there are people that know me. People like me, people don't like me. I'm honest, right? I like you, Pete. I'll tell you when the Chiefs sucked on Sunday and in the, in the Arrowhead Pride postgame show. I'll tell you if safety Eric Berry is something you shouldn't get excited about, which I was correct on. Yes, you were. There are a lot of ifs here. But hear me out. If Patrick Mahomes improves from 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, if the Chiefs, and I'm just talking on the field here, again, it's not a situation I'm happy about, get Tyreek Hill back for the majority of the season, if the defense is improved, is 16-0 and out of the question? <laughs> like, I, I, and I'm not, I don't want, I, this is not a homer. I, I'm the farthest from that. I, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll shoot you straight. Can, how, how could you not think about that? Can Chad Henney win you a game in Week 17? Well, well, that, well that's. You mean that's the? <laughs> I mean that's it. That's really. I mean, I this team has. If if Tyree kills back, if Patrick Mahomes is improved, yes, because the de- the Chiefs didn't need much out of their defense last year, and they didn't get it. Now they have it. They have enough to go out there and dominate this league. This team is extremely well positioned 
to go out and do what you're talking about. And it sounds crazy. It would really, it probably, maybe it's 15 and one. Maybe Chad Henney can't win you a game in yeah, week 17. Yeah, and listen, I'm not, saying, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, the Chiefs are going to go out and just easily win all these games. I'm, I'm saying, you know, for most teams out there, you'd say, oh, that, that's no, no percent chance. Like, there's, there's no way they're going out and win 16 games. But when you, you think about the Chiefs and you, and you think about Mahomes and somehow getting better, and if they do get the pieces they have back, again, a lot of things have to go your way. But the fact that, like, when you really think about it truly in your heart of hearts and not trying to be a homer, not trying to be biased, it's possible. It's just unreal to think where you've come from in Kansas City. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it comes back to what I'm saying is like, we don't under, like, we know we have it good. We don't know we have it better than anyone, frankly, has ever had with a 23 year old quarterback. But that's the thing. He's 23. Dude. He's 23. Three years from his prime. Right. And he threw 50 touchdowns. Yeah. The ceiling, the ceiling's there for them to do everything you're talking about. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he does have places to improve, which is crazy. You know, sometimes he just, he got himself in trouble and he's so good that he was able to get himself out of trouble. Imagine what happens when he doesn't get himself in trouble, and right? You, and, and he and, utilizes his superpowers and you hear when him, he should. He's humble to the point of, like, he wants to learn from that. And I think a big part of that, too, is Andy Reid. Like, if Buffalo keeps that pick and drafts Mahomes, he's not nearly as good. No, he's Like, not he good. came into the perfect storm. And I think, like, say he landed with a young coach who had little experience. Maybe there's not that respect factor. Right. Like, Andy Reid has the stones and the experience and the years and the conference championship games to say to Mahomes, hey, you know, you could listen to me. Just the perfect storm, perfect situation, and, and again, maybe a perfect record for Kansas City this year. Who knows? Uh, when we come back, we're going to switch to the other side of the football, the defensive side, once again with Matt Lane. Talk a little bit more about the summer of Spags. You're not going to want to miss it. It's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. The all-new 435 Podcast Network, now up at 610sports.com. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride special OTA wrap-up show. OTAs have come and gone. Mandatory minicamp this week. Football season just 13 Sundays away. Pete Sweeney here with Kent Swanson and Chris Unocero behind the glass. Binks on deck show coming up at noon. Cody with the day off. But right now we're talking to Matthew Lane of Arrowhead Pride, one of our film analysts, one of the members of the Arrowhead Pride nerd squad. You can catch these guys every week on the AP podcast channel, Breaking Down Film, the AP Laboratory. As customary in the AP Laboratory, I feel like I got to start it like this. How you doing, Matty? Oh, I'm doing good, Pete. How are you? I think you uh, nailed the intro there. Thank you very much. Uh, we talked to Craig uh, a little bit of, uh, earlier. You guys are involved in something we're doing called the Summer of Spag series at AP. So uh, I'll start with the same question that I asked him. What has surprised you the most when you've watched what Spags has done on film in the past? I think the biggest thing for me has just been kind of the the utilization of his base defense, kind of a 4-3 defense, and just how much it's structured around stopping the run. And it makes sense because he is only kind of feeling it against a run-heavy personnel by the offensive group. But for the most part, all the coverage players in the second level at the linebacker group are off the field, and it's run stoppers on the field. He's willing to kind of live if a team's going to pass with two, full, or two running backs or two tight ends on the field with his base defense. 
Now, as soon as a team goes to 11 personnel or something like that, he's going to bring in the coverage players and play right. the pass first. But he's playing the run first early on or against certain personnel packages. I just The way the NFL's going today, you have three linebackers on the field. You still expect at least one, if not two of them, to be really good against the pass. And Stags is more willing to put out run stoppers at the linebacker position early on. So as you watch, it's becoming to make more and more sense that the Chiefs go out and get a guy like Colin Saunders or Emmanuel Ogba or Alex Okafor. Yeah, for sure. And there's a huge emphasis as well on the defensive line on being able to stop the run because it is an aggressive kind of one-gap team here. So a lot of times the defense is going to be even numbers against blockers against the run, especially when you kind of get into lighter, more predominant personnel packages by the offense. So you need these defensive linemen that can either get penetration or out on the ends, guys that can hold up against offensive tackles and disengage from blocks when they need to. You're not just trying to occupy blockers to let linebackers do it. Each person on the defensive front kind of needs to be able to make a stop on their own. So right. more talent throughout the front seven, especially along the defensive line, makes perfect sense for how his defense was playing with the New York Giants. To me, that that's music to the ears of Chiefs fans because I think we we've, we've become accustomed over the past few years where if you see like a premier running back can't like on the other side like a Le'Veon Bell coming in or something you're like oh, hundred yards for sure you know what I mean right 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 uh, Maddie Reggie Raglan and Anthony Hitchens I, I feel like among Chiefs fans they took a bit of criticism for the way they played last year uh, in your eyes how does this new defense suit them a little bit better. Yeah, I think it's 100% fair to give them a little bit of criticism for the way they played last year. Whether it was all their fault or not, it could have been some little coaching or some scheme issues. They did not play particularly great last year, and I think Chiefs fans had high hopes for them going into the season, so that makes it worse. But this year, I think the team's going to be better fit. Somebody like Reggie Raglan, I think, is only going to see the field on pure running downs. The amount of times he's going to be in coverage is going to be very minimum because I expect him to only be out there in that base 4-3. Then Anthony Hitchens, hopefully you see more out of him. Hopefully the read team a little bit more simplified and he can play faster mentally, which will kind of help him play faster like he did in Dallas. And I think he's a guy that's still going to be a three-down linebacker for the Chiefs. He, just, he seems to get the game most of the time at the mental level, and somebody on the, as a linebacker group needs to be that guy that's going to be there from first down through third down right. to keep continuity with the play calling. Yeah, and the contract makes sense. I don't think you sign him to that contract unless you're expecting him to play all three downs. You've also examined how the front looks in the nickel. What can Chiefs fans expect in the nickel given the current personnel on the roster? Yeah, so for the nickel, again, I think Anthony Hitchens is going to stay on the field, and then next to him you're going to get a little bit more of a coverage linebacker. So that's where your Dorian O'Daniel or your Darren Lee comes into play. Right. Personally, I think they're in competition for one spot between the two of them. Not that they both won't play together sometimes in the nickel or throughout a game, but I do think that Anthony Hitchens is going to play a lot, so I only think you're going to see one of them next to him in the nickel most of the time. Right now, I'd move towards Lee just because his best play has been a little bit better than Dorian O'Daniels, but Dorian's been in the defense or with this team a year longer, so we'll really see once training camp preseason starts. Yeah, it's something, too, where... Brett Feach loves like those former first round picks from other teams. I think he can I think he feels like, okay, my coaches are gonna get the most out of this guy. That's what Darren Lee is. Matt, I know you're gonna love this question. I know you're gonna love it. Who are the Chiefs taking with the thirty second pick in the twenty twenty NFL draft and, and one one good reason? Ooh, I'm gonna say C D Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. <laughs> Shocked. Because 
I am not 100% certain what the wide receiver room is going to look like next year. I think there's some, there's some questions with the long-term future of Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins on the team, given either off-field or contract reasons. So I'm still looking heavy at wide receiver. C.D. Lamb kind of might be a guy that I think falls to the end of the first round in what is a completely loaded wide receiver group. So that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. When watching Oklahoma, I thought he was easily better than Hollywood Brown, who went in the first round last year. So he would be my pick right now. Matt, uh, what can Chiefs fans expect this week on ArrowheadPride.com from yourself? So this week, continuing the summer of SAG series, we're going to look further. We're going to go one more level here, so we're going to look kind of at the dime or the against an offense on third and long. We're just going to look a little bit more at some of the crazy pass rush personnel packages that Steve Spagnuolo's had. And I think most people are generally familiar with him going back to his first fit with the Giants and then to the second one. So we're just kind of breaking down the – more or less just the pass rush or the front four or five, whatever it's going to be in the dime, third and long situation for his defense. And then that goes into next week, we're going to start talking about the technique that we're using along the defensive line of this new defense. That is the voice of Matt Lane, one of our film analysts at arrowheadpride.com. You can catch him on the website, on our podcast channel. Thank you, Matt. Uh, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Kent. Thanks for having me on, guys. There he is, Matt Lane. You happy with that draft pick yet? I'm not remotely surprised that Maddie had something ready for the 2020 <laughs> NFL draft. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I've ever met someone who liked anything as much as Matt likes the draft. No, he. It's it's like everything that he's doing right now and during the regular season is just buying his time for for draft season. Like he's 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 all in on it, and he's been he's been singing the uh, CD Lamb praise for a while now. We do have to get to a break, Kent, but before we do, uh, I know that a lot of the podcast fans on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network will be familiar with this, but can you just explain to the 610 Sports Radio audience the concept behind the San Francisco 33ers? Oh, man. So the Chiefs uh, have basically the Chiefs traded one of their second-round picks to the Seattle Seahawks in 2020 for um, – for uh, Frank Clark as part of the Frank Clark trade. The Chiefs had an extra second-round pick. They had San Francisco's uh, second-round pick in the D. Ford trade. The Chiefs get to pick, pick, uh, keep the, the better of the second-round picks. Right. We are rooting heavily <laughs> for the San Francisco 49ers to just be an absolute dumpster fire, get the 33rd pick in the draft, so the San Francisco 33ers oh, my. is is my second favorite team. I root for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I also root for whoever is playing the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> More so even than the Raiders or the Broncos yes. this year, because it matters directly. Exactly. We tr- we're trying to get we're trying to get a fringe, basically first round pick here, Peter. So some spagsitivity, and of course rooting against the San Francisco 33ers. We've talked about OTAs. We have mandatory minicamp coming up this week. We're going to talk about some questions entering the three-day mandatory minicamp. If you have any questions that you have about this Chiefs team, text it in at 69306. That's the Protein House. Eat with a purpose text line. Questions entering mandatory minicamp. That's next. Arrowhead Pride Radio. Experience the next level in luxury, Baron BMW, providing the finest in selection, service, experience, and customer appreciation. Baron's commitment is to make your experience as enjoyable as possible. Baron is BMW in Kansas City. BaronBMW.com. Hi, I'm Rorden Shane. One of the most important things that my family has always done for our customers is handpick our diamonds at the source. Rorden, I wouldn't have it any other way. Most jewelers buy a diamond without even looking at it. They buy it based just on its gemological letter and number grade alone. Shane Company Diamond Buyers go directly to all three diamond capitals of the world, 
Antwerp, Tel Aviv, and Mumbai. Because two diamonds with the same lab grade will have different amounts of sparkle depending on how they were cut and where their inclusions are, our expert buyers personally examine each diamond. Then they only handpick and buy the most beautiful stones from within each grade. And that's what a friend would do. Take the time to look at each diamond, then pick the most beautiful diamond for you. At Shane Company, you'll always get a prettier diamond for your budget whatever grade you choose. Now you have a friend in the diamond business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Gutters are an extremely important part of your roofing system. They're designed to collect rain and shoot it away from the foundation of your home. If your gutters are clogged, it can do its job. Regular cleaning is crucial to protecting your home. Let Triton Window Cleaning help prevent you from having a costly nightmare down the road. Right now on GetMyPerks.com, Triton Window Cleaning is offering more than 60% off gutter cleaning for one- and two-story homes. Don't procrastinate cleaning out your gutters head to getmyperks.com for more than 60% off with Triton Window Cleaning. Excuse me, I know you have a 9 o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m. and you're sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. If you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. Find out more at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Paul. I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. Another wireless ad. I know how you feel, and it seems like they're always full of this complicated, tricky language about their networks and offers and blah, blah, blah. Well, Sprint is going to do things differently and let you decide for yourself with their new 100% total satisfaction guarantee. Try it for 30 days, love it, or your money back. See? Simple. Now get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. So switch now. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1 today. 30-day guarantee with new line of service. S10 128 gigabyte, $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit for 18 months credit applied within two bills. For canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto pay. Data D prioritization during congestion. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Speed maximums, use rules, $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Listening on the radio.com app, make sure to favorite 610 Sports Radio. Wrapping up a very special edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio. The OTAs wrap up with a mandatory minicamp preview. We have Binks on Deck Show coming up at noon. He wanted me to tell you that he'll have top pick Bobby Witt Jr.'s high school coach. That's at 1220. You're not going to want to miss that. Followed by Royals and White Sox 
First pitch at 115. Royals have won three of their last 16 games entering today, but they can win the series after the win uh, on Friday night. So that'd one, be great. One thing at a time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one at a time. Just be- play for the draft. Just just play for the number one pick for next year <laughs> at this point. Like it's, I it's just futile. wish the MLB draft, when it came to the Royals, I wish it was more like the NFL draft where they could, they could take a pick and he'd be ready you know, tomorrow yeah. as opposed to Witt Jr. We're going to have to wait till what, 2021? 20, 2025. Minimum. <laughs> minimum. Yeah. Three years. Knowing how the Royals project, knowing how the Royals develop guys, like Bubba Starling's still sitting out there at 27, so. You know, whatever. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hopefully they call up soon. Yay. All right. Questions entering the three-day mandatory minicamp this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the Chiefs. I'll be out there once again reporting for 610 Sports Radio and ourheadpride.com. I think the biggest one is a name we really haven't heard in a while, and that's Chris Jones. Up to this point, workouts have been considered voluntary. They've started on April 15th, from April 15th to today, June 9th. The Chiefs have not seen Chris Jones. We've seen some videos of Chris Jones uh, down in Miami working out a little bit. Uh, the last time anyone on the Chiefs spoke about Chris Jones was day three of OTAs. A little bit of an awkward exchange between uh, KCTV5's Tom Martin and Andy Reid. I don't know that. I, I don't know how they're talking to him. Are you talking about me? I haven't yeah, talked to him. Yeah, we don't even. Listen, we just go. You're here. You get better. You're not. You don't. The way Andy Reid works is he answers questions once, and then if you were to ask again, he would have gotten upset. That was the first time anyone really said anything about Jones. And, man, you could tell and hear in his voice that he's not happy with the situation. Very scruff. You could kind of tell that there's something there. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't, it doesn't seem like they're – even though it's 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 not mandatory, There there's a little something there. And, you know, it'll be very interesting to see if he winds up showing up this week. I think the next question – that you have right with the Chiefs is is an obvious one. Up to this point, you know, throughout OTAs, there's been no update on the timetable even for a decision on Tyreek Hill. What the hell's going on? Uh, will we receive an update? I I tend to think the Chiefs, given the fact that once Thursday closes, once Thursday practice closes, it is five weeks of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, "Oh, Pete, what do you do in the off season?" There's uh, well, we work because there's events every every month. There's one period of the offseason where there is nothing dead, and it's the five weeks after Thursday. So what I see the Chiefs doing when it comes to Tyreek Hill is just pointing back to the original statement. It's run the clock out. We don't have a decision right now. And then what you do is buy yourself five weeks of time. And, and again, for better or for worse, time is very powerful, except when it comes to Tom Brady. Because as time goes on, people forget about things. Things become less fiery. It provides, provides time for Mike Florio to relax and stop putting on NBC Sports things about what the Chiefs and the NFL are doing. Also allows time for, again, these court procedures that involve the kid and the Hill, Hill and, and his fiance to sort of work themselves out, themselves out. I wonder when we hear from the Chiefs about this. It, it is interesting to think about because they're going to have to say something. I, I doubt that we're going to show up at St. Joe and he's just going to be on the field. So you, you would think that there would be some kind of announcement at some point. I just wonder when we get that. I don't think it'll be this week. No, I don't think so either. I think they will just continue to run the clock out on this whole thing and, and get that extra five weeks of time. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I do think even just how this whole thing has went down, just that this, the time separating ourselves away from, you know, the end of April really has, you know, I think changed the, maybe not public sentiment, but, you know, the, the angst, the the emotional nature of this whole thing. 
I think has kind of dissipated over time. So I think, you know, the Chiefs getting that extra five weeks, they're probably really happy about that too. Yeah, and, and, and the situation is interesting in the sense that, and I'm with you, and I'll be the first to admit, once you heard the audio, mm-hmm. you immediately said, man, I hope, at least I did, the Chiefs got to move on, right? Mm-hmm. As time has gone on, and, and it seems like more information has sort of seeped out, it, it does feel less now. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Uh, there are a lot of fans who I know for sure, because I see the Arrowhead Pride mentions and my own mentions, who were upset, like, the Chiefs move on for from Kareem Hunt, and then the Cleveland Browns swoop in doing the right thing, rehabilitating him, and, and they look okay, and then they get this all-pro player that the Chiefs may now see in the AFC title game. Right. And so I, I always wondered, like, maybe the Chiefs are keeping Hill on the squad in a sense so they don't have to play him. Like, because how fair would that be? But again, it's it, it, it gets a little bit muddled between the business and, and what's right and what's wrong, and it's just, it's a situation that I think, Everyone can agree on where, where you fall on it. It, it. it wants people want it to be resolved in some way or another. Yeah, I, I think we all want it to be resolved. We want answers. We and I think I think largely, even though you know you, it may not seem like it, I think there's a lot of people that want what's best and what is right for the situation with regard to to the kid. You know, the kid gets forgotten a lot about you know with this whole thing. But I do think there's a lot of people, regardless of what side you're on on this, really just want what's best for that kid and whoever you know, did, you know, potentially harm that kid to, to be, you know, held accountable. Right. And, and that's something that even in the most recent report from the Kansas City Star, the DA has maintained. It's OK. The criminal investigation is no longer active. Therese Paler, by the way, who is the man and he's well connected, probably better than anyone else when it comes to the Chiefs. And it's really starting to feel like the NFL as a whole because you're starting to break more news even in other cities. He said a month ago that the criminal investigation may not really be open, and mm-hmm. he was 100% correct about that. Um, and it seems like somewhere along the lines that message uh, was was incorrect. And so, again, you're happy that the criminal investigation is over. Your, your main concern, and I think everyone's concern here, whether you like the football part of this or not, is like let's make sure that this kid is in a healthy situation. Absolutely. On a much minor standpoint, I'm wondering to see, and I called Juan Thornhill a day one starter week one, when the Chiefs play the Jacksonville Jaguars, he missed last week while with a calf injury. I find sometimes these injuries these injuries are common just because you need to get in football shape. Like you can only get in football shape by doing football moves, and you don't do football moves until you're with the team as a whole. He was held out. He's become a key player, and he missed last week. So I, I I'd be on the on the worry scale. I'm not going to be like a seven or eight, but I'd be like a three or four if he's not practicing again once mandatory minicamp starts because I think they're going to want him out there during the most important minicamp leading into training camp. Yeah, this is a really big time for his development. If the Chiefs do want him to be a day one starter or if, if he wants to be a day one starter, I think it is, you know, it's important that he gets into these situations and these opportunities. I think, you know, this isn't quite OTAs. There's a little bit more energy behind this thing. It's mandatory. It's their last opportunity to really push on these guys before training camp. You really want him out there from a developmental standpoint. I really hope that he's you know free and clear to be able to participate. I'm very excited about Juan Thornhill, and I do. I'm, I'm with you. I believe he's the day one starter. And and I think too, from a from a standpoint of man, the more reps that he can get next to Matthew, the yes. better. Because if these guys really truly are going to be working together, I mean, he's going to be relying on Matthew a lot. You know, I think as far as adjusting to what the Chiefs are doing in the four three, and then as far as positioning and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Man, I just remember Eric Berry last year when he finally got in the game yelling at these guys to get in the right position. 
I th- I don't think that'll be a problem for the Chiefs this year with both Spags and Matthew. No, I, I I go back to this. This is you know this is a complete cultural rebuild. I re I rewatched the uh, the champ the AFC Championship game, and there was just so many instances where if the Chiefs just got lined up, they would have been in a, a situation to right. maybe get an extra stop or two. They couldn't get lined up right last year. This is not going to be a problem this year. They've got a lot of accountability both with the coaching staff, the energy of that coaching staff, and then the players and the energy of that players. They've got the right stuff in that building to to hold each other accountable, to get lined up, do the little things correctly, and that will go a long way in getting a couple extra stops a game. There are still, too, I think some position battles. Again, you're not going to really see the thick of that until training camp, but it's worth watching now. With like Wide receivers four through six. Again, tight end two is wide open. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they're using this H-back character in John Lovett on the defensive side of the football. There's all these defensive line spots and these linebacker spots. I think, you know, Hitchens is probably a guarantee, but everybody else, you know, you're not really sure how it, how it's going to shake out. Again, the safety depth is there. Like, is Sorensen really getting an opportunity with Matthew, especially if Thornhill's out? He was last week. Will he, would he be doing the same this week? Yeah, there's still some there's still some questions on the defensive side of the football, obviously. But you want to hear something, Pete? You, you're listing all these things off. It seems like there's more uncertainty on offense than there is on defense right now. Like, you have a pretty good idea of how you're going to be lined up, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. There's still a few questions to be answered. But I feel like the offensive skill players specifically is just probably the most unsettled position of this entire team, which is a weird statement to say because the offense has been such a stable, driving, insane force the last few years. You know, the defense, you know, they're starting from scratch, but, you know, they've got a lot of these guys, I think, kind of, you kind of have a pretty good idea of where all these guys are going to line up. Well, people always say, okay, what are you worried about with the Chiefs? And everyone has an answer and and, and usually has to do with the secondary. Sure. Oh, Who's going to play cornerback? I think the Chiefs like their cornerbacks. I've been saying it for a while now. For me, it's, dude, they have no tight end, too. And Travis Kelsey has not been on the field yet. Like, there's they, like, yeah, and there's comp, there's like five guys at the receiver position for three spots. And you really don't know, like, it's kind of interchangeable. You don't know who's going to be who and where they're going to line up. I find, again, this is one of the more fun parts of the year leading into training camp because you're starting to get a feel for who the 2019 Chiefs are. Positive thing is you have Mahomes. Yep. The more positive thing is it feels like the defense is already better. We'll get to see if that's truly the case. I think once the guys put the pads on, one thing they're always saying is this is still a camp where you're not even wearing pads. It's not football. Guys can look good. I mean, we've seen Ross Travis look good during this time. (laughs) How'd that go? Not great. That'll do it for the Hourhead Pride OTA wrap-up show leading into mandatory mini camp next week. Coming up next, Binks on Deck Show. Filling in for Cody Tapp. Bobby Witts Jr.'s high school coach coming up at 1220. Thank you to Kent, Craig, Matt, Chris Unocero behind the glass. I'm Pete Sweeney. Check all of our stuff out at OurHeadPride.com. OurHeadPride Radio. Thanks for listening.